Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Joined this season typically by Jordan at JW Eagleson 7. Jordan laid up today, a uh, little bit of work, a little bit of illness. Thought about going alone, but then I'm like, who could I get to host the Eyes on Big Podcast with me? And I think I found... The perfect guy joined this evening by this is Big Kurt here. <laughs> Big Kurt, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. <laughs> and I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Hopefully, this will be a nice little surprise for the Eyes on Big listeners. Tons of compliments uh, that I get on Jordan filling in perfectly this year, but. Back, back to the base, back to the basics with me and Big Kurt. It's it's good to have you on, buddy. I I feel like I've been pulled off of the bench and thrust into the game to to save it in the fourth quarter. This so maybe a John Paddock like I'm I'm feeling yeah. Paddocky right now. <laughs> you look you look you look like you're ready to put on a Paddock performance, or as uh, our guy Kingfisher calls him, Big John. Big John. Yep. So hey, man, it's great to have you on. Uh, shout out to Jordan. Hopefully he feels better and can pop back. I, I would think he would want to record on our typical Wednesday podcast, seeing as how his squad's got a pretty big game coming up here uh, this next weekend. Want to also give a shout out to my brother, Doug, the Carthaginian, who's also laid up with his own ailment right now. So shout out to Doug. Hopefully you're listening to this and you're feeling better ASAP. Yeah. I hope you're feeling better there, Mr. Carthaginian. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling his pain. Yes, you've you've gone through his type of pain before. Hopefully, it's something he can get through sooner rather than later. Um, I had a title put down for uh, uh for Jordan and I. I was going to call it like Sweaty Saturday because I I felt like there was a lot of sweating going on by a lot of fan bases. I I, I think that can kind of still be the theme in some spots. Another thing I threw out on Twitter, I guess it was early in the day. Uh, Something that maybe we could do more often during the football season that just never really uh, dawned on me until uh, yesterday, but essentially ranking the uniform games that we're seeing on the TV. I threw it out to, of course, Kurt, because that is his domain. Kurt was nice enough to just, bam, get them all ranked at the end of the day. So Kurt's going to throw that in uh, as we break down the games here. And it could even be that I talk more about the uniforms than the actual games. <laughs> Just the so, warning to everybody. So the game that Kurt was most locked in is the game of the week. So that works out nice. Some of these other games, I'm he, he's coming in cold, right? And it, it, it's just tough. It's tough to come right off the bench and, like, make that free throw, right? It's good. Well, to, okay. For instance, when Big John got thrust into the game against Indiana, he was cold. He had not taken a single warm-up throw because it was unexpected. Right. It, it happened in the moment. The game was almost over. There was no point in him warming up. And he had to run out there cold and complete three passes for 85 yards. So that's what I'm trying to do right now, Stuff. baby. Stuff. It takes a special individual to pull that off. So it, the one guy that I think could pull it off, I'm recording the podcast with right now. So we'll jump right in it. Could be a bit of a truncated podcast. My voice is it's not doing great. Not, not from illness, Kurt. It's honestly for me screaming uh, in in by myself in the downstairs athletic club, just to show you how grown up I am. So seven 
big games this weekend. We had four games early, two games in the afternoon, one game in the evening. All these games were yesterday on Saturday, November 18th. First game up. I would have been interested to see what Jordan said about this game. Michigan 31, Maryland 24. The Wolverines with 291 yards of total offense to the Terps 262. We had a good game. We had maybe even a better uniform matchup. Well, this was the premier uniform matchup of the weekend, and I cannot thank Mike Loxley enough for changing the uniforms of Maryland to what they're wearing now. These are great classic uniforms. I love the the script Terps on the helmet. I love just a simple, you know, red, and they got the the, the you can still put your yellow and black on yep, there. Yep. But it's not going overboard. It's just a nice. So if there's anything bad I can say about the Terps uniform, it's that. Now they're a primarily red team, which they are historically a primary red team. And we are, we already have a bunch of those in the big tents. So that's right. really the only negative I have there. But then you contrast it with the classic Michigan kit. Now they didn't go with the maze pants. I okay. think that's why one criticism for them in this particular game. I yes. do like their, their old traditional white, you know, like seventies look with the stripes that they were wearing. I like those pants, but I think, the maze would have done just a little better in this game, but it still gets the easily number one slot of the weekend for me. There's a special place in my heart for all white uniforms. Uh, I've just always kind of liked them. Uh, so Michigan pulls it off, but there's always just a, yeah, I think it could look just a touch better with the maze pants. That's the traditionist in me. But overall, this was the game that got me going on it. I said, this is a heck of a uniform game. Didn't I didn't know for sure that this would wind up being number one, but it's not surprising that it's number one at all. And Fantastic. Uh, pretty good, pretty good game in the field, too, as it turned out. You know, I got called out on Twitter, go figure, when I send my Friday predictions out. The audacity that I not I did not pick Michigan to win this game 114 to negative three. Uh geez, why? Why would that be? Maybe it's because you see this all the time. It's two things. Number one, locks. For whatever reason, he gets his guys up and going more for the Michigan and Ohio State game than seemingly four or five other games on the schedule. Then you team that up with they just got done playing Penn State. I'm talking about Michigan. And they've got Ohio State on deck. Folks, follow the sport of college football, okay? There's money to be made there with this stuff. And what we had here was, I think, a distracted Michigan team. But let's be honest. Leah and Locks can dial it up and they can put a scare in teams. And that's what we saw. Yeah. And let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago that this was a really good looking football team that just happened to stumble for a few weeks. Right. Yeah. So maybe they just kind of regained their mojo. It's still in there is what you're saying. Um, yeah. And what's still in there is Leah. I said a quote that basically, you know, I've never seen anybody make more splash plays for both teams than Leah Tunga Viola. He seemingly yeah. would kill his team and bring his team back from dead to reanimate the Terps and then kill them all over again. The refs maybe have had a little something to do with it too. Did you have did you get eyes on the the um intentional grounding call yeah, in the end I mean, zone? I don't think it was a a horrible call. I think that was a justifiable call to make. Justifiable call. I could have seen it not being called. I could have seen it being called like it did. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a horrible call. I know Terps fans rightfully so have been pissed about calls over the over the years. Yeah. It's just this wasn't one of them for me. Um, team rushing for the Terps, 
33 carries for 15 yards. So if you want to look at a reason why you weren't able to win the game, that that's one thing you well, can look at too. Yeah, not a huge surprise, I guess, going against the team that they were playing. But just in general, Roman Hemby, 11 carries for 35 yards. I know it's been a thing all year for the Terps. I'm just really surprised they don't have a better running game than they do. Yeah, it's it hasn't looked good lately. And then you let's be honest, you team it up and go against this Michigan defense in front seven. Nobody's having much luck running the ball on them. Uh, Michigan could run the ball. They had 150 yards, 3.3 yard average. JJ McCarthy, I don't know what to say. I, you know, they're they're wondering on the broadcast, is he healthy? It's a viable question. He he doesn't look great. You know, I'm not and part of it is we expect more out of him. That's Michigan. He's a five-star recruit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying he doesn't have his moments, but he didn't look good. That's a couple weeks in a row now where he has not looked good or or been a huge part of the game plan. Yeah, and I think JJ's a very good quarterback, but he's never reached that elite status. He has not. And and elite quarterbacks don't have these games. I agree. Um, I would say this is a compliment to Michigan. Probably the best place he could have wound up is Michigan because he's surrounded by such defensive and rushing talent on the offense that you know and JJ makes play with his legs makes plays with his legs now we saw him we saw him big in a couple big games last year it's just a little bit off this year and and there's gonna be nowhere to hide next weekend it will be interesting to see the JJ that we get so this I was watching this game at the gym it seemed like the game was starting to get a little away from Maryland but Mm -hmm. then it never did and they clawed Mm -hmm. their way back in so I'm proud of them for that but then also, if you look down the stats, they're incredibly comparable outside of the rushing yards. Rushing. And then one other thing, the turnovers. What would they have done if they hadn't turned the ball over in this game? Obviously, part of that is the Michigan defense. But Yeah, and Locks always says, wow, we'd be great, and it would make it a lot easier on us if we didn't hurt ourselves. And then the, every game, you go back out there, and they hurt themselves again. Um, shout out to Blake Corum, 94 yards, two touchdowns. That guy's good for, uh, he's an ATM automatic touchdown maker. Roman Wilson out for this game that did have a big impact. Boy, does Michigan need him back for that Ohio state game. So we'll see about that. And by the way, JJ is looking for Colson Loveland every time. I mean, that is his big security blanket. Me thinks Ohio state will take notice to that and, and find that guy in third down, especially, if Roman Wilson is not able to go, but hey, you know what? You got to win your stinkers, and that's what Michigan did. That moves them to eleven and zero, and of course, a huge matchup next weekend. Maryland drops to six and five between them and Rutgers next week for the fourth place in the Big Ten East. I, I do think that's a game you know both fan bases want to see. Next game up, Penn State twenty-seven, Rutgers six, the Nittany Lions with three hundred and twenty-two yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights two hundred twenty-nine. Good on your Rutgers. It was a good showing. Um, didn't didn't cover this by a half a point. This was a 20 and a half point spread. Penn State won by 21. The freaking desert people, man. They they are lethal. Um, but it was kind of the game I think most people expected, which is Penn State smothering Rutgers offense. Rutgers looking decent defensively but in the end just getting worn down because their defense is out in the field so much yeah let's start with the most important aspect of this game the uniforms i placed this firmly in play in in fifth place of the seven games now if you look at the ruckers i thought this should have been higher this is the only one i didn't agree with on your list okay 
I could have potentially placed it for, no, I couldn't have. This is firmly in five. Okay, and, and let's start with the Rutgers. Vacuum, that's a nice looking uniform. It's pretty clean and black and red are, that's a great color combo. It's a yep. cool, tough football color combo, but black's not one of your colors. I'm sorry. You, okay. you get demerits for using a color that's... that is not one of, part of your palette. So okay. I'm sorry, I can't give this high marks, period, because they went black for black's sake. That's what that's called in the universe. <laughs> and then, of course, you know how I feel about Penn State's uniform. So yes. it, it was kind of like a white and blue team versus a white and black team, which doesn't give you a whole lot aesthetically. See what I'm saying? I, I, I am with you there. I like more contrast. H- wholeheartedly agree that if Rutgers would have went with the red, this would have popped more against each Absolutely. other. Uh, but that's why I think you, they should have been ranked in front of the uniforms that will break down that I'm actually, that's the one I'm most interested to break down. Okay. So, so like yeah. that, it's, to use a to use a color term, it's shades of gray with uniform ranking because I like your commitment to the tradition, but then there also has to be given towards the contrast. There was good, de- decent contrast here, but the contrast could have been better if Rutgers just went red. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm saying is is you know because they went black, it lessened the contrast. I agree. Day. I yeah. agree, and it's almost like we're left wanting what could be because it could have been so much better. Right. And and just to go a little deeper on the whole concept of contrast, there's two contrasts in the game, the the one between the two teams and then the contrast within each team. Yes. See what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. Like if you go and we'll get to this, if you go mono head to toe, bad. It's, it's usually a bad look. Yep. I'm with you and, there. And now there are some. I don't want to go too deep into this because there is a football game to talk about it. Right. But there are some exceptions, like an occasional exception to that can be cool. Okay, that's all I'll say about it. Well said, well said. Um, I mean, I kind of got into it a little bit, but just in case people don't know, Drew Aller got knocked out of the game. He was kind of seen moving his arm around on the sidelines. Uh, my guess is I, I don't think we'll see him next week, uh, so we might not see him till the bowl game. But shout out to Bo, Bo Pribula, Pribula, sorry, I can't say his name, um, through one pass, completed it for nine yards, but just ran it down, ran it down uh, Scarlet Knight's throat. Eight carries for 71 yards. Team rushing 234 yards for Penn State at a six-yard average. So essentially Penn State saw what Michigan did the week before and said, hey, that looks fun. How about we just run it down Rutgers' throat and put this game away? Yeah, and this game feels a little bit like the last game we talked about, not quite as close in terms of score, but – if Rutgers maybe hadn't turned the ball over three times. Yeah. But of course, Penn State had something to do with it. Of course. If maybe they had run for more than, what was it? Uh, let's see, we got uh, 99 rushing yards, but Kyle, the fun guy, Manungai, only had 39 yards and 16 carries. Of yep. But of course, Penn State had something to do with that. But it, yep. it does feel a lot like the Maryland-Michigan game we just sure. talked about. Yeah, just a absolute mismatch up front with these two. It's not like, and I would say it's more, over time, uh, meaning it Penn State warmed down, as we kind of said. Uh, by the way, three sacks, th- seven tackles for loss. That's what Penn State's defense does. I mean, they got athletes all over the place with a really good defensive coordinator. Eventually, they're just going to get in your kitchen. Uh, Patreon Allen, Nick Singleton combined for 130 yards on 4.8 yards. So in the end, it was almost exactly the game we were looking for. It was damn near – I mean, you can't get on – 
nail it when it's a 20 and a half point spread. So like 21 points, that's, a, you know, pretty much what uh, Vegas was thinking for under betters, which I think there was quite a few. They, they definitely hit that. So it was, like I said, pretty much the game we're looking for with the win. Penn State moves to nine and two. Um, important win is as is next week, so they can stay in that top 12 and get a New Year's Six Bowl. With the loss, Rutgers drops another one to six and five. I think that next game, as we just talked about, with Maryland next weekend, it's it's going to be interesting to see who that game means the most, most to. If I'm just shooting from the hip, I that's something I think Shiana really wants would be the you know, finish with for sure a winning record and fourth place in the Big Ten East. I don't know. I, I think that's going to be when Shiano's got circled. That would be fantastic. That would put Shiano in that conversation for coach of the year. Yes, he deserves to be it for, for sure. Next game up. This was a painful one for you, boy. Uh, Michigan State 24, Indiana 21, Sparty with 317 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 402. Another uniform matchup, if I could interject, that could have been so much better than it was. Man, just go traditional in this one. Talk about great contrast, green versus red. Now, I had alluded to it earlier. This is going to be one of two teams that made the the cardinal sin of going head-to-toe one color. And if you're going to go mono, head-to-toe, you don't want it to be something like red. Kind of like, you know, for Illinois, went mono Orange last week, all orange. You d- that's a bad, bad look. If you're gonna go mono, it should be black or it should be white, pretty much. I think nothing so. really else looks great. And then Michigan, uh, Michigan State. I'm just shaking my head here. I what what, what have you done? What what what, it, what would you say you're doing here? And I was thinking about it earlier today. Michigan State has really jumped the shark when it comes to alternate uniforms. They're the shark jumpiest. Big Ten team when it comes to alt uniforms. Yeah. Like, think about those goofy big state ones with the neon that they wore the one time that everyone laughed at. Uh, But they didn't learn their lesson. No. No, We're going to come out with black pants with green trim, which you can't even see when you're watching it on TV. And same thing with the helmet. And it they didn't stop there. They had to add the little accents to really twist the knife. If you looked at their helmet, there was some sort of like a, a texture thing going yeah, on with their yeah, helmet. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just like was gagging looking at their uniform when they would do a close up, like, oh dear Lord, who, who, uh, someone sat in a room somewhere and said, yep, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. I want to, I want to be a fly on the wall what, for that conversation. And the, you know what I'd want to be a fly on the wall for? Did, do the players really like those? Like, I, I guess it's, it's, I, I believe the players like those. Okay. Okay. Cause it's, I, I, it just it seems to fit it's, with what the youngsters like these days, but there's no way that anybody like those goofy enormous state unif with the with the right, neon. I right. can't believe anybody in the world like those things. The, so I would say, state, right. just get it, get your house in order with with the uniforms, please. And, and to explain it out, Michigan State's traditional home and road uniforms are just amazing. They've got exactly. That's why we're so mad because there was so much more potential here that is lost when you go do something this silly. I'll give you another one. If Indiana's going mono red and they had come in with a mono white, that would have actually worked in this that game. Looked, with, that would have looked cool. Like, and I, I'd prefer they didn't do that. I prefer they went with green pants, let's say. But if it was the white helmet with that 
that beautiful looking Spartan in green on it and just your traditional uniform. It would have been so much better. Yep. And then not as much of a sin, but sort of a sin. Indiana has awesome home kits as well. Yeah. There was just, this could have been number one or at least I, one or two. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. Indiana just added a just black piping this year, which really makes their, the like that. I like it. It makes the white pop because just a red and white, it leaves you. So it's not actually a color that they've added. So it's because it's just trim, but it just makes the, the, the lettering and numbering look so much better. If they'd gone with their white pants, would look great. So I had this one firmly in sixth place out of seven games. It was hard to watch visually. (laughs) <laughs> so Kurt liked the piping. Something I didn't like uh, was just the overall aesthetics of what was going on with the Hoosiers. Um, they were consistently looking like they were the better team, only outdone by consistently shooting themselves in the foot. And then when they got themselves together, then the refs pulled out a shotgun and shot them Man. themselves. I the, there's one game every weekend, Kurt, where the big refs just walk out of that tunnel and they say, "You know who everybody came here to watch? Me. I, I, I'm going to be the star of the show. This was the ref star of the show game, and I felt like it was really killing the Hoosiers most of all. Okay, so were you t- talking about the last drive where they called the? The, the grounding, which, by the way, if you're going by the letter of the rule, it is grounding, but clearly the, it's not the intention of the rule. Right. The, the, the quarterback and the wide receiver miscommunicated. I don't know who was wrong, but clearly Sorsby ex- expected the wide receiver to be de- going downfield. So he threw it in that direction. Instead, the wide receiver hitched. So he he threw nowhere near him. I, I, I have trouble with them making that call. So do I. And do you agree the last year or two – they have had an itchier trigger finger on intentional groundings. Like I they, felt like you in our day, intentional grounding was something that happened like once a season. I swear I see it all the time. Now I don't know if there was a decree that went out. It's just weird. I'll go a step further. If you rewind just a couple, two, three years, uh, there was a time when I feel like they just don't want to call this anymore. And I'm okay with it. Like I, Right. I just want to keep the game moving. moving. It felt like they just kind of let's get away from even calling that at all. If it's egregious, we'll call it. But now it feels like it's flipped back in the other direction. Yeah. And it's like when it's loss of yards and downs, it's like, oh, so, you know, oh, yeah. My gal, my gal's not just cheating on me. She's cheating on me with my best friend. Yikes. Right. I mean, it gets, yeah. you, it gets you twice in the And pillow. so there was one more, though, uh, when it was a big, it, towards the end of the game, big Michigan state play where was it a touchdown they scored at the end there and there was a clearly the a carter andre carter got pulled from yes, behind by his yes. by his shoulder pads yanked didn't, didn't the, get called and the commentator said i wouldn't call that that, that would be ticky tech what is that ever yeah, i saw it i saw it live and then in the replay it just confirmed it for me so not only was it the refs helping out indiana or helping out michigan state on calls it was the refs not helping them or not helping Indiana on the no calls. So I'm glad you brought that one up because that was the most egregious. With that being and, said, and I, I do want to give a shout out to, or sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I remember the play now. It was the big pass down to the sideline to Malik Carr, I think. Yes. It was a bit, I yes, think that was to, the. To take the lead. Yeah. 
And by the way, Malik Carr, just a, a man amongst boys. Yes. He looked like a overdeveloped eighth grader yes. playing in a seventh, eighth grade game where nobody could, could control him. He just was running through people. And, and by the way, when he was a freshman at Purdue, I remember thinking, oh, man, this guy is going to be good. But then he disappeared for a yeah. solid two years. You never heard his name. Now he's finally putting it all together. So good for him. Looked good. Uh, Montori Foster, uh, another huge play in the game where, by the looks of it, I thought it was thrown behind him for a pick. No, he snagged it with one hand. And then Indiana just inexplicably decided not to keep playing football on that play, runs in for a touchdown. It was just, oh, it was oh, a that calamity was so of shit that was going down. It was. It was. I, I, I said out loud, oh, Indiana, what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> And I had Indiana fans DM me because this was my, this was my, my anger is that this was my lock of the week. And I could have moved to a commanding nine and three on my amateur lock of the week. This dropped me to eight and four. And I felt like, you know, it was, it was defeat snatched from the jaws of victory. Kaden Hauser yeah. looked good and bad, uh, both in the same, same game, but he had three touchdowns, 245 yards. Sorsby looked good. looks good with his legs, but he was a little bit, off he, he didn't look as good as he has the last couple of weeks by the way though 210 yards rushing for, for the Hoosiers that's what I thought they would struggle at the most because Michigan State's defense has been more stout but but loose on the pass uh Trent Howard 77 yards Josh Henderson 74 yards Soresby 59 yards again with these stats you would have think Indiana would would take this at home but they didn't, and Michigan State made the plays that Indiana didn't. That yardage is overrated. I know we give it at the beginning of everyone, but yardage is is an overrated stat. It's about the, the big plays in the game, turnovers and whatnot, and, and Michigan State had them, and Indiana did not. Great game to watch, though. It was. Really very entertaining. Very entertaining. I game. just wish they had given the Hoosiers the chance to, to come back. They kind of ripped that away from them. I agree. With the win, Sparty moves to four and seven with the loss. Hoosers dropped to three and eight. Um, I was kind of assuming Tom and Al- Tommy Allen was going to win this game. Um, I think he really wants to, to beat Purdue next week. I think you think maybe, so? I I would really want to win that game if I was Tommy Allen. And I think he's going to need to win that game. Yes, I I think so as well. I don't like that. I'm just saying it seems to be what no. what is kind of we're being, we're reading into the tea leaves. All right, perfect game to to catch with Kurt here. Northwestern 23, Purdue 15. The Wildcats with 329 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers, 443. Mm. Tough to lose that game. Maybe even tougher on the eyes for this uh, uniform matchup. Yeah, this one firmly implanted in position seven out of seven for the week. We have a team that went black, black, black playing a team that went black, white, black. Just, you can't get less tra- less contrast than that, period. That's it. That is the bottom of the barrel. And here's the other thing is these teams, you, a lot of people may not know that, they talk to each other ahead of time and they, they decide what uniforms they're wearing. Like the home team gets to decide what they want to wear, but then they tell the away team. Like this is what we're going to wear. And there's kind of – right. And there's kind of a negotiation like, well, we want to wear this on the road. Well, can you not because we're going to go mono black? So can you not go black, white, black? Could you maybe go with the gold, white, gold instead? They Two teams came to the decision this is what they were wearing, which is remarkable. 
remarkably bad. Um, bad. And again, again, I'm not a huge purple fan and I'm not a huge fan of Northwestern, but if we could have gotten purple white against a black and gold ish, would have popped. Could have looked good. Would have looked good, man. Yeah. Cause there are yeah. some, there are some Northwestern uniforms that I like just fine. And boy, we did yeah. not get that here. And you know, Northwestern decided to sequester the black back in the nineties. I think it's time to release it back into the wild. <laughs> I, I agree. Bequeath and, it to somebody else. And they had such a good gold that they could really run with and make more of their own. And they just refused to. Oh, uh, Purdue. Purdue, sorry. Purdue yeah. has. So, and Purdue, if, as long as I have the forum to complain here, I don't like that they've gone to these matte uh, uh, gold pants. Yeah. Can you bring back shiny pl- pants, please. I would like to see that. I'm with you there. Um, okay, so what is the story of this game? The story of this game is Hudson Card was announced out two hours before, which was a shot to the pills for me because I had Purdue in this game. You you get you get a fee if you pull a game out. You know they don't let they don't like you to do that, and and that definitely played a huge part in the game because Ryan Brown is the backup. Raise your hand. How many? Big Ten fans not in West Lafayette that knew who he was. 12 of 16, 104 yards, two touchdowns. There was two fumbles in this game. So four turnovers in this game. That's two, two INT. You said yeah. touchdown, two INT. I'm sorry. Two picks, two fumbles for Purdue. That that was the story. It was six nothing. I mean, there was a lot of memes being thrown out at halftime. It was six to nothing with about a million fumbles and interceptions and punts and everything. It was it was the Big Ten West game of the day um, at that point until maybe ours took over. Um, so that that was definitely the game we saw. With that being said, Purdue was moving the ball. Look at these rushing stats: fifty four carries, three hundred and three yards for Purdue. Tyrone Tracy Jr. 160 yards and a touchdown. That dude's putting up big games this year. But I gotta say, he's impressed me. I didn't I, think that whole transition was gonna work out. And he he's actually a hell of a big ten running back. He's physical. I mean, yes. it's not just elusive guys. He, right. he finishes runs too. So shout out to that guy. Um, I've always wondered. Did, was Iowa interested in him playing running back? And he's, yeah, I'm no, sure. I'm, I'm a receiver. And then he goes to a different place. And Jeff Brown goes, no, you're you're uh, you're a running back. And who knows, man? He might get a cup of tea in the NFL because there is a place in the NFL for running backs like that, right? For third down type of running backs. But uh, in the end, just too many mistakes for Purdue. And then on the other side, you know who's always able to take advantage of that? It's northwestern they're looking yeah. more and more like the northwestern teams that were the friggin bane of our illinois and iowa existence i'd throw wisconsin and northwestern in there too or uh, nebraska in there too they don't turn the ball over they play clean not necessarily great playing great defense i mean when you have that type of rushing stats but again they don't hurt themselves and then they they take the win they deserve yeah. it. Or or as I like to say, Northwestern is Northwestern Ian again. They are. And that that brings me to David Braun, who is 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 now the permanent coach as well. He should be. Yes. Amazing job. Now I, I fear that we have hired here at Northwestern Fitzy 2.0. It's absolutely and 
I, it was such it was such news new news if, if that's how I can say that when um we recorded on Wednesday that I was we weren't able to really articulate it too much. He definitely should be the the coach. No doubt about it. I'm happy for David Braun. He is a likable guy. There just is something about him that he just seems like a dude you can trust and like. So I give him all of the accolades. If he winds up getting Big Ten Coach of the Year, he will he will deserve it. But it's Northwestern being good again. And you thought you had an auto win on your schedule, meaning whoever's playing Northwestern. I thought that's the direction we were moving. But it doesn't look like that right now because they're, they're just playing really smart, good football. Or is he not – or was Fitzy – actually Walker 2.0 and was Walker actually Barnett 2.0. It's this is not new people. No, this has no. been happening for a long time. Correct. It's been happening since I was in pads. It's it when it looks good, quote unquote good, it looks a lot like what David Brown is pulling off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's incredible. Kudos to him. Yep. With the win Northwestern moves to six and five, they are going bowling. Absolutely incredible with the loss purdue drops to third three and eight the eyes on big podcast sponsored by the amber whiskey company our unique process takes the highest quality kentucky bourbon and finishes in california wine barrels this double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day amador whiskey company born in kentucky Raised in California, waited a while yesterday, and then when the Amador started pouring, it it was going down very quickly uh, down the back of my throat. What might have something, a little something to do with the the, the gravelly voice that you're hearing right now. So, love the right. Amador. I don't drink a whole lot of it anymore, just because I just can't handle bourbon very well anymore. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Moving in to the afternoon, Ohio State thirty-seven, Minnesota three. Uh, if you're following the podcast, Jordan has added something called a sad field goal. This is the sad field goal Hall of Fame that Minnesota was put in this game to just avoid the shutout. The Buckeyes with 434 yards of total offense to the Gophers, 159. Yeah, not much, much of a game on the field, but aesthetically, it's a pretty solid game. Not I bad. had this one in second place overall. Gophers look pretty good overall. I do like their color scheme. I don't like the chrome helmet. Never been a chrome helmet guy. I wish they would just go with their traditional helmet. That would have improved it a little bit. And then just a nice, solid, traditional uniform from Ohio State and their home uniform with the reds that are nice and beautiful. So this was a, a good-looking game overall. Not a great, not, like, not oh, amazing, but a good yeah. one. And it yeah. comes in two, which tells us something about the uniforms this week. Yes. Um, again, could be better, but looked good. Shout out to Ohio State for their traditional uniforms. Got to ask, your mono type of uniforms last week, Ohio State with the grays, what'd you think? Shameful. <laughs> they, they called up They called up Michigan State, said, what do you think we should wear? Okay, thanks. Hung up. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not going to fight you too much. I will, I will say I typically don't like crazy alts. I typically don't like gray or or the mono. For whatever reason, those worked for me. The way they had them accented. And you can give Ohio State some credit. Gray or silver has always been a part of their color scheme. So yes. they at least have that available. It's not so much of a gray for the sake of being gray, as you say. 
I I'm not saying I if they wore those uniforms next weekend or against Penn State, I would shout at my TV. But they were playing, shall we say, a lesser opponent. Did not bother me at all. In fact, I think I even erred on the side of liking them. Interesting. Okay. Well, not much to talk about in this game. I There was a chance that Ohio State would be distracted. There's a chance that they would shelve people right away. They just, they, they let their guys work up a lather. Kyle McCord, good. 20 of 30, 212 yards, a touch, two touchdowns, no picks. Travion Henderson. <laughs> Might, might be the best running back in the Big Ten and one of the best running backs in the country. 146 yards, two touchdowns. I feel like I deserve at least a mini slap on a pat on my back because I've been asking for Ryan Day and Ohio State to just lean into the fact that they are a running team and play defense. Yeah. That's what they did here, and there was no room to operate for Minnesota. And by the way, Ryan, you know where running the ball well and playing really good defense works out? Really to your favor, what conference? Big Ten. Yeah. It, it maybe just this is just the year where you don't throw for five thousand yards. But and you so, still win, it, but you still win 13 games. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is the year. And maybe that's what they're pretty much doing. And then they do some YOLO shots typically to Mar. If he only had three catches for 30 yards, he still got the touchdown. His prop bet was I was uh one touchdown in the first half. I would have loved to have put the over on that. Surprising yeah. he didn't with that Minnesota back seven look like butt cheeks going into this game. Maybe they just said, let's have some pride and do a little bit of something. So they switched it up. That obviously opened things up for Travion Henderson. But I will say, by and large, tough spot for Minnesota. They they looked decent until the dam broke a little bit into the second half. And that was it. Yeah. So pride, you mentioned pride. I think that was probably one of the things that PJ had up on the the bulletin board. I'll tell you the thing he had at number one in the bulletin board. And I think the thing that, that Ohio state also had number one in the bulletin board, both of them, let's just not get injured. Let's just, yes, let's get out there. Let's get off the field. Everyone knew who was going to win this game. So what do we, let's just make sure we come out healthy. Now I'm not saying coaches actually have that conversation when they do their little handshake pregame warmups, but I'd like to know if how that is communicated, both teams, would have been perfectly happy not playing anybody on, on their two deep, you know, like just can we agree that we're Ohio state needs to win this game. Both coaches want all of their guys for the rivalry next week. And I guess to a certain degree, every fan base, both fan bases should be happier. I And I think if you had told Ryan day, you don't have to play anybody in your two day, two deep, but you win the game two to nothing. He just said, take it. I'll take it right now. He would have taken that. Like Kramer took the cafe lattes when he when he sued for the cafe lattes, <laughs> I, and he could have got a, he could have got a million bucks, but he he spoke too soon. He said, "I'll take the free cafe lattes for a year" because they were about to hand him a bunch of cash too. Deep cut, <laughs> deep cut. Um, I would still say Ryan Day, his ego on the offense would would not allow him to do that, but I would take that deal, and I know you would too. But with the way Ohio State moves to obviously eleven and zero before the big matchup next weekend, with the loss, the Govers fall to five and six and need next week to get keep the axe and go to a bowl. Kurt, I'm old enough to remember when I predicted Minnesota to go six and six back in August. And I was, I was 
pretty much destroyed on on the Twitter sphere by Gopher fans, and they'll take six and six right now. I'll say that much. I will. I will not share the record that I predicted. <laughs> you weren't that far off, but anyways. All right, moving into our one evening game. Very interested on your takes on both the game, but even more with the uniforms. Wisconsin twenty four, Nebraska seventeen. This was an overtime. Badgers with three hundred and sixteen yards of total offense to the Huskers three hundred and sixty four. Red, red. And more red in Badger. Yeah, so so basically zero contrast between teams. But I will say this: the Badgers going white, red, white. That's their best look. And I do like the Huskers on the road with white, white, red. So if you take the teams and separate them, I'd say yeah, they're both solid. Neither one of them's great, by the way. It's just they're fine. And then you put them together. No contrast, but it is a traditional uniform matchup. So for that reason, I have them coming in at number four, and I'm not going to even, I'm not going to, I'm not going to consider changing that. That they are the number four game, period, because of the traditional looks. That's that. Okay, so I'm I'm sorry, I'm just not a red guy just never never have been and then you factor in how so many of my rivals was with two of them playing in this game are red that certainly doesn't help so that that's going to be a big deal to me but the thing that is just most interesting about this game so i know you're you're not like a video game or madden guy but in madden you can practice right or you and you play against your own team so you essentially have you're the home team and you're playing your away version of your team. And that's what this looked like. This looked like per- yeah. I see you said there was no contrast. These, these were perfectly contrasted. It's as if they were playing each other in a, in a scrimmage or spring game with one team playing the road version of their, of their uniforms and the one team playing the whole yeah. version there. Even when you look at the pants, it, they both have two stripes with the stripes being opposite of each other on the pants. Okay. Same with the, okay. the tops. Like the only thing that's, I guess, somewhat doesn't fit that is that both have white helmets. And then you have a contrast to a certain well, but- with the gigantic hand, white hand of Saruman. And then this, the teeny tiny end, like, yeah, I, but, I, it, but it's, hold a on. Wa- it's a tough watch for, for me. No, it is, but hold on. You, you you're kind of contradicting yourself because the white helmet would be on both teams. If you're scrimmaging against one another, you I wouldn't have so. different. No, you would not. You would not. I'm just saying so this. This truly looked like a scrimmage. It really did. The only difference is the logo on the helmets, and yeah, it's it's created. This would have been the one time I would have been happy seeing all whites from Nebraska. You know, sure, just yeah. a, and maybe even like a little bit more of of a color on the pants for Wisconsin or something like that. I don't know. It's just crazy. I just, again, the biggest thing that blew my mind was the perfect opposite of each other. I don't know. And and I, I do like the, when Nebraska wears the red pants, however, you're right. The all, all white would have looked better, but I think, you know, what it also would have looked better if Wisconsin went with the white helmet, red, red, that'd be a situation. If Nebraska went all white, where it would help the, the I would like the game to see overall. What, I would like to see what that would look like an yeah. all white, Wisconsin or Nebraska versus yeah. an all red Wisconsin or Nebraska. All right. How this game go crazy is I don't mean to laugh, but they interviewed Luke Fickle right before this game started. And he said, what we need to do is get off to a fast start. <laughs> that is not what happened. Nebraska got off to the fast start 
up 14 nothing right away. First touchdown on a Chubba Purdy, you know, blinding through the Wisconsin defense touchdown run, which is surprising for two things. Number one, Chubba is white and his name is Chubba. I'm not expecting a white guy named Chubba playing quarterback to look that fast. Nebraska fans were surprised too. I've never, I, I, I don't, I don't know if Chubba Purdy's family knew that he was that fast. I, I was shocked by that, but man, he, he looked good. The story of this game, even though they didn't win, it was Chubba Purdy. One of the themes that is like behind the scenes with me and, and Doug, the Carthaginian is sometimes I wonder how smart these football coaches really are. I don't know why this guy wasn't playing more this year, especially with the horrendous quarterback play throwing the ball that we've seen out of Nebraska. I know Nebraska fans that he had the groin, a groin injury, a deep, deep groin. You remember remember that's from? No, I don't know. That's from, from, that's from cheers. That's a shout out to my, to the other deer in the American. Yeah. Um, So I understand he's had the groin injury through the year, but they say he still has a groin injury. It looked fine to me. So either this is the most, Healing and unhealing groin injury I've ever seen, but that guy right there would have won Nebraska a game or two. They'd already be in bowl contention with that play. The wide receivers look better. The downfield throwing looked better. This was a better looking Nebraska offense, and it it took Wisconsin by surprise to start this game. Yeah, I I don't know where his his groin injury started and stopped on the season, but. Look, watching Nebraska this year, as I have, there's been some times when it it looks like there's a high school quarterback out there, right? When I'm talking about throwing the ball, like yes, high school arms, and then so then it begs the question: Well, where where's Purdy been? It I does. I, it has to be the injury. I I would think Matt Rule understands and Satterfield understands football and quarterbacks more than me and you, you know, but that just looked better. The the wide receivers popped because of it. Jalen Lloyd with a great 58 yard catch Malachi Coleman, the two freshmen, he looked good. Um, Emma Johnson, by the way, another 50 yards. That's another freshman that looked good with that being said, shout out to Wisconsin for getting shell shocked rebounding and then scoring 17 straight points 14 nothing 14 7 14 10 17 to 14 at the end of the half nebraska missed a not a chip shot field goal but a, certainly a makeable field goal i thought that was a big momentum thing tanner mordecai not exactly ripping up big 10 defenses with his arm but his legs are are lethal that was one of the biggest X factors in this game was Mordecai's legs. And that's what kind of won it for them. Yeah. Amazing that Tanner is even back right now. Kudos to him just for that. He's got who, who, the, who expected you, that? I did not. I mean, I just assumed I broken hand on his throwing hand. He must yeah. be done. Yeah. He can't take a snap under center, which they said approximately 14 times during this broadcast. But yet he can throw the ball again. Another weird finicky injury, you know, involved with this game. It doesn't make any sense to me. The the, the grip that you have on the ball 
is everything to a quarterback. Like if you've got a big paw of a hand, it's so much easier to throw a football because your grip on it is so good. Right. If you have small, so I just don't understand, even if he broke it and had to rehab it, his grip has got to be weakened so badly from not using it. I would think so. And it, and it looks a little off the way he's throwing the ball. Now good. there was a couple just straight ducks where you could just tell he's like, Oh yeah, my hand didn't work there. <laughs> the throw looked horrible, but, but again, he could, he could tuck it and run. Shout out again, Will Pauling, eight catches, 79 yards. That dude has been maybe the most consistent wide receiver in the Big Ten, not named Marvin Harrison. He's been incredible. Went out of this game with an injury. Hunter Wolder, you know, stud safety on the defense. He also went out of this game, and, and Wisconsin was able to, to pull this out. Extending the bowl streak, 22 years, the longest bowl streak in the Big Ten, I think it's the third longest bull streak in the country. I was feeling the angst from anything involved with Wisconsin football. The fans, for sure. The coaches, players, they needed this. This, When you look back, if there is good success from Luke Fickle in his time at Wisconsin, you might look back on this game as being an extremely important game in, in his coaching tenure. And reminder to all the Wisco bros out there, I predicted Wisconsin seven and five and five and four. Which could wind up being. And we also didn't, we had the audacity to say we'd like to see Luke Fickle maybe coach in the Big Ten first before we name him the second or third best coach in the Big Ten because this conference has the ability to drag people down, and that's kind of what we've had. And I know you took a couple victory laps on Twitter with that one about oh, a week ago. did I ever. I I noticed you liked my Stalin comment. Yes, that was that was a good one. That the guy accused good. me of war crimes. I said, hey, call me Stalin, but don't call me wrong. Stalin's, Stalin's the safest of all. Yes, horses. correct. <laughs> Even though he's the worst of all of them, truly. It's, but somehow you can get away with I don't know how that is. With the win, Wisconsin, <laughs> with the win, Wisconsin moves to six and five. With the loss, Nebraska drops to five and six, and they have got a big game next weekend with one of the teams that we will break down right now. And this brings us to the Big Ten game of the week. Sorry for people that like putting my five year old in. I don't have the energy to uh, edit that in uh, this this podcast. Iowa. 15, Illinois 13. The Hawks with 281 yards of total offense to the Illini's 280 uniforms. Yes, let's start with the uniforms here. I put this one in at third. The reason I didn't put it fourth is because of the aforementioned discussion we had on the lack of contrast of the Wisconsin-Nebraska. So let me go quickly through the entire list. First, Michigan at Maryland. Second, Gophers at Ohio State. Third, Illinois at Iowa. Fourth, Nebraska at Wisconsin. Fifth, Rutgers at Penn State. Sixth, Michigan State at Indiana. And dead last, Purdue at Northwestern. So this is, again, in the third place spot. And if you look at Illinois, okay, road, orange, white, white. But it's, they basically look like an orange and white team, which they really aren't. That's what I don't like about these road kits. They're, they're an orange and blue team, but you don't yeah. see a lot of blue there. Yeah. So for Illinois, I just said, meh, I, I can't give you any better than that. And versus a traditionally strong 
uniform, a traditional uniform that the Iowa Hawkeyes had. So the contrast was pretty good. So overall, it's a good game, but it's not a great game. Contrast was certainly very good. Obviously, I like Iowa's home kits. You like Iowa's home kits as well. There wouldn't be, I guess, as much contrast if Illinois went with the blue. But that just is what Illinois' uniforms are supposed to be to me. I'm sorry, Kurt. The orange, it's hard to find a color that orange orange contrasts or bounces off of well. It is just a tough uniform to not clash. So... But it, it's overall, it was good. Wait, it was fine. So you're saying they should have worn blue pants or not worn blue pants? I, I would have orange in a very much secondary role almost all of the time okay. if I yeah, was yeah. Illinois. So, so yeah. I, I think you're agreeing with me. Our best road look is orange, white, blue. Very much agree with that. Yes. And if that's how have, often we wear that. Almost never. Never. We never. don't. That's the answer yeah. is never. I'm yeah. sorry. I wish I wish you did. Yeah. So before I, I forget to say this, so the final score, 15-13, off of a missed blocked PAT, I didn't realize it at the time because I'm so dialed into, oh my gosh, now I was going to lose the game 16-15. to 15. That missed PAT exchanged millions of dollars because we wound up with a total at 28. This started at 28.5. So anybody that took the under there or the over there, that half point difference happened right there. Also, this closed or was around Iowa at negative three or negative 2.5. Iowa win, winds up winning the game by two instead of three. I'm surprised I didn't see more on Twitter. That should have been the PAT heard around the world. It kind of wow. got lost in the end of the game, but that was that was a big storyline. With how this game ended. That is incredible. Yeah, talk about bad beats for many people. Or or good beats, potentially. Good, yeah. That'll that'll probably wind up on Scott Van Pelt's bad, beat, bad beats. So, of course, and, and by the way, I'd like to tell everybody, I'm not evil. I didn't invite Kurt onto the back onto the Eyes on Big Podcast just because it was the Iowa-Illinois game in his Illini loss. This just happened to work out. Trust me, I was surprised when Jordan said he couldn't make the podcast because of illness and schedule. Kurt, shout out to you, though, for coming on to the podcast, even though your your Illini lost a, a heartbreaker here. This game, of course, started with an amazing Tory Taylor punt, followed by an amazing sack by Joe Evans, super senior. Shout out to Joe Evans. Two to nothing to start this game. How else were we going to start this game? That that was pretty fitting. And I unfortunately, I don't have the evidence of this because I didn't tweet it out. I do have a text that I could share if you're really going to call me on it. But I just had this feeling as a college football fan, not as a Illini fan, going into this game that it was just going to be a barn burner. I I don't know what it was. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a close spread, so you would expect it to be a close game. But I expected it to go beyond that, and I think it did. Now, unlike you guys, you both like the over. I like the under here. I, I'm just going to keep riding that on Iowa until it stops working. Yeah. But I did I did also, I felt confident in Illinois' chances going to this game. But I did just like, I liked Iowa to win the game. And the biggest reason is, is the setting. You got Kinnick Stadium and you got John Paddock, who deserved the start and earned the start. And he should have been starting sure. and playing. For sure. But that is the biggest, by far, atmosphere 
that guy has ever been in coming from Penn State, Illinois. He has never played in anything like that. I thought he held up pretty well. Very well. Really spicy. Iowa defense. The one thing, there was a time in the game when, you know, of course, it wasn't Paddock's fault, but the, Illinois just could not seem to generate anything offensively. And I thought it would have been a good idea to pull Lukey Legs into the game to really? get that added dimension of him, of running the, the running ball. threat that he has. And mm. I, I'm not saying that they should have yanked Paddock, but let's just put him in for a series, see what happens, and let's just make them choose Reggie Love or Lukey Legs. Yeah, and just see that's how, interesting. I wonder or just, if... Or even just bring them in situationally and, you know, do an RPO fake, pull the ball, and then pop it down the field. I just think that would have been another dimension that they could have leaned on. I never thought about that, to be honest with you, down the stretch. But hearing you break it down, yeah, I, I it would have made sense if Beetle did that. Um, did not, did not do it. John Paddock, though, was making Iowa fans nervous. 215 yards, 22 of 47, 215 yards, no picks, no touchdown. Illinois, by the way, got a rushing touchdown, only the second rushing touchdown I was given up all mm. year. I thought Reggie Love looked good, man. 64 yards. I know he only had a 3.6 yard average, but he had the touchdown. I felt like he was effective. Well, and let's let me say this about anybody, anybody who's touching the balls running back right now for, for Illinois. It's your game the whole game because there's just so thin. So R- Reggie, who's coming right off of an ankle injury. He was in on 70 snaps. Right. If you just rewind a couple weeks, Caden Fagan, he was in on 70 snaps in a game. And the the next the next running back, actually, no other running back carried the ball in that game. And only I think one carry well, maybe for another running back here. I'll check on that. But but they I brought mean, white boy defensive back in as a running back for a player too. Right. Because so that's he, how scraping of the barrel they correct. were at right there. Correct. So my, I'm just saying, Reggie, you played a great game is what I'm saying, because you're not 100% healthy and Correct. you played almost every snap. You know who is great? Isaiah friggin' Williams, man. You have yeah. got to be stoked with how that dude has balled out this year. So he is two yards away from a thousand yard re- receiving, receiving season. He would only be the seventh Illini ever to do that. Wow. Okay. Um, so we, we, you know, assuming... He breaks that next week. That's number seven in Illinois history. That's insane. Number, number seven receiver, not seven seasons, but right. seventh receiver, receiver to do that. Yep. Yeah. He's he's a weapon. He was in the slot. Cooper DeGene out of this game, but I don't know if that would have made much of a difference at all. Sebastian Castro was the one up against him. Iowa just doesn't have anybody to go up against Juice because nobody does. That guy is so lightning quick out of and now he seems to have gotten his ability to create space catch the ball he just has rounded into a good receiver the illinois coaching staff deserves credit for getting the guy to buy in to the position change every guy that yep. plays quarterback wants to keep playing quarterback i gotta think sure. and developing him since he switched over to wide receiver he was making life miserable quite often for the for the hawkeye defense and more than finding space, the thing that Isaiah vocalized preseason that he had never had this dimension to his game until this year, he said he needed to develop downfield receiving the ball, big catchability. And he has done that in spades this year. Yes, absolutely. He looked good. Speaking of looking good, though, somehow at the same time was Iowa's defensive backs. Shout out to Phil Parker and that defense and that secondary 
Kurt, losing Cooper DeGene before this game just was a gigantic shot. I, I guess this is our theme of the podcast, a gigantic shot in the pills to all Iowa fans. He's native son, Cooper DeGene. He's the guy that you just wait to make a big game-changing play to have him lost, broken leg, then to go up against what is the best passing attack in the Big Ten West, and it's not particularly close, to have 13 PBUs from the Iowa defensive backs in this game. It's incredible. If if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it, because think about that. That's 13 passes that John Paddock could have potentially completed if things had gone different, he so that he completed 22 of 47. Right. There's 13 more in there that were at play. So that would be 35 of 47 if yes. those were complete. I mean, you don't expect them all to be completed, but that was the one of the biggest differences in this game. Deacon Hill, I keep sh- throwing out these stat lines that I want to see from him, which are, of course, not big stat lines. That's the stat line he gave me, 19 of 29. 167 yards, a touchdown, no picks. I I think this is the first game that he did not turn the ball over. Boy, did we need that. Big boy has been thrust into the action. I don't think he was ready. I will say, though, he's gotten better each game, and he looks no. better now. I'm not saying he's a weapon, but he's at least not an offense killer he did enough in this game to help Iowa get the win. Yeah, I was getting frustrated a little bit at at one point, and then I had to remind myself, well, a couple things. A couple things are happening here. Um, he's playing against a pretty bad Illinois defensive backfield, but I just I don't think that was it. I think he's also just improved his game. He's, he's improved. He just looks more yeah. confident. Another thing that's helping him out is, is wide receiver Caleb Brown. Seven catches, 71 yards. There were some Boy. tough. He's good. I mean, he's a he he's, is. he's looking a little bit better each game as well. I don't know why it took so long. I mean, he was new to the roster, yeah. right? He didn't come till the summer, so I get that. Addison Ostrenga, five catches, twenty-four yards. The the one touchdown uh, uh, in the game in the receiving game. Go figure. Another Iowa tight end that looks good. Team rushing for Iowa, one hundred and fourteen yards at three point two yard average. A uh, friend of the podcast, Scott Doctorman, always throws out that how effective Iowa is at winning football games when they get over the 100 yard rushing mark. It wasn't easy. Didn't get there until Caleb Johnson, 10 carries 53 yards with 30 yards coming on that touchdown run. That was out of nowhere. Iowa fans did not have a lot of faith that they were going to figure out a way to get into the end zone because Iowa is driving down by four. So a field goal from our great kicker won't do it. It, who, by the way, missed one in the game. It needs to be th- from our offense shot of, you know, lightning bolt with Caleb Johnson. He's shown it in his career, caught that edge, poor defensive back. I, I feel so bad for him because I've been there before where he's like, oh shit, this was the wrong angle. And it was pretty much game over yeah. on that run. Yeah, blown assignment there by the Illinois defense. Um, so a little frustrating, but also. that those are the kind of things that Iowa does and and Illinois has not had a consistent defense this year. So when you, when you've got a team that's not playing up, up to their ability all year, it's not surprising that happens. So I just feel like this was a game. Illinois certainly could have won the game, Yeah, but I think the better team won. I think the better team won this game. 
I mean, I always got the better record. They're very close. You know, these teams, they, I believe if they played 10 games, Iowa would probably win six of them. If I'm, if I'm being yeah. honest, you know, type, type of thing. neutral site. Yep. Yes. It, and I did tweet out. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I tweeted out midway late in the third quarter, somewhere around there. Maybe it was even early fourth quarter. If I was going to win this game, it's going to take one of those big moment plays. I don't know if that Caleb uh, Johnson run counts, but it's pretty close to it. And and, th- and that was enough. And the crazy thing, though, is, Kurt, there was three and a half minutes left in the game after he scored the touchdown. It's not like yeah. Illinois didn't no. have enough time. There just was no real thought process that a you know, uh, that they were going to get down the field, but at uh, a field goal, because by the way, your kicker's got a freaking leg as well. There, the, it, it wouldn't have been crazy for Illinois to win this game 16 no. or 15, but, but Iowa's defense just, just put the clamps down on, on the offense. Yep. It's, it's incredible what they can do. Shout out to Jay Higgins. Another shout out to Joe Evans. Those guys have stepped up huge this year. And with the win, Iowa moves to nine. And two clinches the Big Ten West with the loss. Illinois drops to five and six. Needs to win the LOL hat next weekend to to go bowl bowling. I hope they can do that for you. I had fun, a little bit of fun on Twitter. Oh my gosh, Kurt! I don't know. Maybe I I could just be an Iowa fan for a night and be happy that my team won the Big Ten West. Yeah, oh, it's garbage division. Iowa still sucks. Their offense sucks. Actually, actually, I don't know if you know this. There's a little known clause. If the opponents of that division all collectively vote and decide that that the winner of the division does not deserve it because it doesn't look good enough, you don't get to put a banner up. So we're taking it back. I didn't know that. That's I, obviously that rule was put into place for good reason. And yeah, anyways, uh, had fun with Iowa State fans. They've been chirpy. The typical fan bases that you would think are are talking smack have, but. Iowa is now the forever Big Ten West champion. I didn't realize until the the race for Indy was on deeper into the year how much I wanted Iowa to win it. So a, a release of emotion. It's honestly part of the reason why my throat's not working because I was screaming down by myself in the downstairs athletic club. I think I scared the bejesus out of my wife and two two kids upstairs. But that's how she goes. It it was it was a fun moment for Iowa fans. It- and quick announce here, since I haven't been, you know, I've got, again, I've got the arena here. So I looks like I'm going to be at the Big Ten Championship game. So if any fan, you know, that's nice. there wants to reach out, meet up, um, and just say hi to Big Kurt, just uh, just DM me. Awesome. Slide into the old DMs. Yeah, that's awesome. One person that will be there, whether people like it or not, and sorry, just to swing it back just for a second, is Brian Ferentz. Not going to be back next year. We know that. Our athletic director made that known. It's okay to be happy for Brian Ferentz if you're an Iowa yeah. fan. I don't believe he's Joseph Stalin, okay, <laughs> to bring Stalin back into the podcast. He he underperformed as offensive coordinator 100% for sure, all right? that's We're not bringing that up to bait. I still think he's a good coach. He's an ultimate hawk. hawk. I don't know why I said it like that. So I'm happy for Brian Ferentz. You saw the emotion at the end of the game. Kirk Ferentz looks like a puddle of mud after every one of these games, bringing into the speculation that this might wind up being Kirk Ferentz's last year, potentially the last game for either one of the Ferentz's in Hayden and uh, Kinnick Stadium, if that's the case. So if it was, 
wow, we're going to, Iowa fans will look back on that moment in even more emotional ways. I, I don't mean to interject so much Hawkeye viewpoints right well, there, but this was a, a big moment for Hawkeye fans. I wanted to at least bring it up. Yeah. And if I may, I was against him coming back this year and it, I'm not going to say it looked great this year because it didn't, no. it looked terrible. However, I, I will give him one thing. The offense has been improving and starting to look like steadily. Yeah. Steadily improved. Especially when you consider losing what they've lost. I mean, nobody's offense is going to look especially great when you're starting quarterback, two best receivers, O linemen and running backs were out like crazy. And then, you know, even Cooper DeGene was somebody that was emerging on offense. So in true Jeff, in Big Kurt, we will forget about the weekly Eisman because we were excellent at, at forgetting it every year. Yes, great point. And, and also, it's hard to pick this year or this this week, excuse me. I will do very quickly the power rankings. They have not changed. Michigan won, Ohio State two. Ohio State probably looks better right now, but until you beat the champ, they are the champ, especially when both of them are sitting at 11-0. and 0. I have Penn State in a tier of their own at three. I have Iowa in a tier of their own at four. Yes, Iowa at four and Illinois is at nine. We'll get, I just said how close these teams are, but at some point to use the Bill Parcells phrase, you are what your record is. And at nine and two and so much higher up than the other Big Ten teams that are either just now getting to bowl eligibility or still fighting to get there, it deserves a line of demarcation. Is that fair? For sure. Okay, four, five, or excuse me, five, six, and seven is sort of interesting. In fact, you could go down to eight or nine even. I have Rutgers at five, Northwestern at six, Maryland at seven. Here's the deal. Maryland maybe should be fifth, but Rutgers beat Northwestern, and Northwestern beat Maryland. So I just slotted them five, six, and seven. They're all sitting there at six and five. However... If Maryland beats Rutgers next weekend, they're they certainly you know move up to that fifth spot. But that's how close it is. Those three teams are all jumbled together, and they all have common opponent you know against each other as well. Yep, Wisconsin eight, so they move up two spots. By the way, one through seven did not move an inch for me. Wisconsin moves up two spots to eight, getting to six and five bowl eligibility. Illinois only drops down one spot. They're at five and six. You lose the game. That's kind of where you're at. Above Minnesota, awful at five and six, who Minnesota beat in their house. You can't put Minnesota in front of Illinois. And I have Nebraska at 11, also five and six. Nebraska did beat Illinois, so that makes it tough, but also lost to Minnesota. I don't know. It gets so jumbled right there. People get upset at me, but what what are you going to do? I have now Michigan State moving up, and by the way, tier right here, to the three teams that are not going to make a bowl, Michigan State 12, Purdue 13, and Indiana at 14. Had Indiana held on to win this game, you know, they're they're still fighting for to be up there and probably deserve to be talked in those teams, but Indiana, I don't know what to tell you. If you can't win the games like nah. that, you know, that's how it goes. And shout out to Michigan State hang around at 12 they're not last with all the shit that they've gone through this year i guess harlan barnett deserves a little bit of credit right for keeping those guys together and fighting it's impressive for sure um the the last thing i would say is there the the big 10 from five to to down to the bottom is getting attacked a lot 
but I'm not going to hear this getting attacked by like the Big 12. Look at no. the Big 12, four through even the SEC. I'm, you know what the Big 12 is looking like? They invited some G5 teams in. They're yes. looking real G5 y. They're, they look like a really sharp looking Mac once you get past yeah. the top two or three teams, yeah. which is, by the way, going to be the Big 12 <clears throat> as we move you know, into the future. Long story short, I do want to say is I recognize that there's a lot of ugliness and parody. I would even put Iowa in there, you know, four through 14. But the the basement is high. I, I think that matters. Yes, I, it I, is. Is that fair to say? And I mean, just look, take Indiana. Those guys, you said Michigan State hasn't given up. Indiana hasn't given up Agree, either. agree. And there's and dangerous... That, they look spicy at times. I, I know that they, they've got holes, but, but, they, but they got holes like Donovan McCoy. I didn't even bring it up when we were breaking down the game. That's a guy that I think is going to be catching a oh. lot of passes on Sundays. That guy is so good. Yes. So that's absolutely. And, when you have, and, and, and Sorsby's dangerous. So like, and then every Sorsby now and then, yes. you know, Lewis and the defensive line looks good for stretches. I'm just yes. saying, I feel like in a weird world, if this exact Illinois, or Indiana team went to a bowl game, they would scare the shit or beat somebody in a bowl game that nobody would expect. I'm telling you, that's that's a sneaky part of a conference is when you don't have one or two or sometimes three just awful teams that everybody gets to beat up on, making the middle yeah. look better than maybe they actually are. Yeah, true. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So where would you put my stat line? Three for three, 85 yards in a tutty? Yes, I, you were... If I'm doing Paddock's stat line, I would say you went 24 for 31, 301 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. All right. Yeah, I'll I, take that. Because there's a couple uniform takes that I didn't completely agree with. That was, yeah, that was your interception. Understood. Yeah. Dude, it is great seeing you, man. Like, yeah, just like, just like, ride, just like riding a bike, me and you. That's right. Well, it's great to have you. Great to have you back on. I'd, I'd like to think you'll be back on the podcast a couple more times in, in, in the off season. So, yep. Uh, hope anybody that's not feeling good is feeling better. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I am Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.